0: Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is the Weekend Edition, and we've got a very special show for you today. We're talking all about gold and precious metals. We have a great guest. He's all the way from Austin, Texas. He's the owner of American Gold Exchange. Welcome to the show, Dana Samuelson.
1: Thank you, Victor. It's wonderful to be with you.
0: Dana, we've got to know each other over the last several years, and my goodness, we are in turbulent times, unprecedented times. And you, of course, are the owner of American Gold Exchange, specializing in gold and precious metals. And would love to talk with you about what's happening in the gold market today. A lot of people thinking that currency is not the thing to be holding on to as, as an asset, but that, in fact, we want to be holding on to real assets as we enter an inflationary environment. What's your perspective?
1: Well, I've been in that camp for a long time. Uh, inflation has been uh, very low. Over the last several years, as you measured in the CPI, but obviously other things, life are inflating at a higher rate than most people realize, I think. In the transition that we're going through now from a healthy economy to a very weak economy, it's important that people have assets that can help protect their wealth. And gold is one of the biggest go-to assets right now and that will continue to be so as this uh, economy unfolds due to the virus and uh, specifically the money printing that is occurring at this
0: point. One of the things we've started to look at in particular myself and some of our own team have started to look at over the last several weeks is, and I've, been, you know, I've held gold and precious metals for many years, but one of the things that I'm seeing is that many of the dealers that would deal in precious metals and in bullion simply have no stock. They have zero inventory today. And yet, the price of gold doesn't seem to reflect that supply-demand imbalance. Can you break down how the market really works? Well, there's
1: a, there's a paper price of gold, which are the futures contracts that are traded on the uh, COMEX exchange, which are uh, ways to buy and sell contracts of 100 ounces primarily on paper. And this is a way for dealers to hedge their inventory, or more importantly, for speculators to bet on the price of gold going up or down. Now, most of these contracts never get delivered. If you buy one, most of them are cleared by selling, or vice versa, if you're speculating on the price going down and you sell one and the price drops, you buy back. That's a way to trade on paper. But the physical market is much different. We've seen a bit of a disconnect over the last couple of weeks between what the paper price of the gold is on the computer versus what the actual physical price is on the street. Because we've had a very big wave of demand come through the marketplace. When the stock market started to fall about March 10th, in earnest, there were many, many investors who were timing the market. And when the market showed real vulnerability, there was a rush to buy physical product. And that overwhelmed supplies, which pushed premiums up. And we got to a point where we become hand-to-mouth for supplies, for what's available and premiums have risen as a result. Some dealers have no stock. I trained up pretty well in this environment in 2009. So I knew what to do when the squeeze came. We've never run out of product, but logistics have been an issue as well with plane flights canceled and both the US Mint closed for a couple days and the Canadian Mint closed for two weeks which exacerbated the supply line because suddenly in one of the biggest demand surges we've seen in 10 years, supplies are cut or vastly diminished. And that helped to push premiums higher as well. They're starting to recede back down a bit, but they're still abnormally high. So it's been a very challenging, uh, exciting, but challenging time over the last five, six weeks, one of the most dynamic environments I've ever seen in my 40-year career.
0: So you touched on the premium. So let's say, for example, that you want to buy a one-ounce coin, whether it's an Eagle or a Canadian Maple Leaf or a rand it doesn't matter. There's the bullion price. There's the value of that coin just based on its sheer bullion value. But then there's a premium on the coin itself. Break that down. Where does that premium go? Who gets it? And so on.
1: Certainly. It's a labor-intensive business to make an ounce of gold, to make the blank, to strike it with dies. The two top mints in the world are the U.S. Mint and the Royal Canadian Mint. Typically, when they make these one-ounce bullion pieces, they charge a premium of about 2% on Maple Leafs and a little over 3% on Gold Eagles to dealers like myself. And then we, in turn, mark them up 1% or 2%. So the net price of the public is 3 to 4 or 4 to 5% over the spot price. And when the demand squeeze came, there weren't enough of these to go around. So the bid rose. What dealers were willing to pay increased because the public wanted physical precious metals. And we've seen premiums on the bid side rise from spot to 1%, which is the normal bid for gold eagles and maple leaves, to 5 and 6%. So the premiums that the dealers would pay to buy material have doubled and tripled over what the normal ask is for these. So the price to the retail public has gone from 3 and 4% up to 8 and 9% over the spot price. And we're making an extra 1% or 2% on some of these transactions because the buy-sell spreads a little wider, but it's not like we're Making that whole seven or eight percent that premiums have increased, uh, the margins are much tighter than most people realize. It's just that's where the market is. So, if if I want to have product and put it into stock, if I don't pay a higher bid, I'm not going to get it. Somebody else is going to get it instead. And then I won't have product to sell. So, we've been right on top of the premiums as they've changed over the last four or five weeks. And as they've gone up, we've been forced to raise our bids and raise our asks. Now we're in a situation where demand has, has waned, but the supply line is still not fully loaded. Premiums are edging back down. We're selling Maple Leafs today for about 6.5% over spot and Gold Eagles for about 7.5% over spot. So it's waning, but it's still not normal.
0: And when you say spot price... What is the point of reference? It's that futures contract that's trading on the paper market?
1: Yes, that is correct. But there's another small anomaly that came into the marketplace, and it's a, it's a double-edged sword, and there's two markets that explain it perfectly. One is gold. You now, If you buy a 100-ounce gold contract on the Comix Exchange and you don't sell it back to the exchange by the time the delivery is due, they'll send you a 100-ounce gold bar. And during the month of uh, late March and into April, the spot price or the, the current month for delivery actually traded at about a 30 or $40 premium to the futures price, which would be for July or August delivery, because people wanted to have the option of getting that gold bar in their hands. So the spot price for the current month actually was much higher than normal. And the counterbalance to that or the opposite of that is the what's happened in the oil market over the last two or three weeks when oil contracts were due in May for delivery in Oklahoma and the spot price actually went to minus what we talked about this the other day, $37 a barrel if you had to take delivery because how easy is it to take delivery of a, of a barrel of oil?
0: That's a problem. If someone wants to send me a, an ounce of gold, I'll say, yes, here's my address or here's my, here's my P.O. box and I'll gladly take delivery. Five 5,000 barrels of oil, that's a little more problematic.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So no- normally the, the current month will have no premium to the futures months, which will have a small you know, $2, $3 a month additional price, which is simply the time value of money. So not only did the paper price go up, it went up a little bit inordinately because of the demand for physical metals that is, well, as I said, is now waning a bit. So it's, it's all been very dynamic and fluid environment. But yes, to answer your question, it's based on the futures price.
0: So let's talk a little bit about the premium depending on the size of the denomination. If you're buying an ounce or a half ounce or a tenth of an ounce, is the premium the same or does the premium go up as you get into the smaller denominations?
1: The premiums I've been talking about are all for one ounce coins. So to buy a half ounce or a quarter ounce or tenth ounce, it takes the mints Two times or four times or ten times the time and effort to make that same ounce of gold. So they do get higher premiums naturally for the smaller denominations. Uh, normally we sell half ounce gold eagles for six to seven percent over the spot price, quarter ounces for eight uh, to nine percent, and tenth ounces for eleven to twelve percent over the gold price. And all those fully doubled, if not a little bit more than doubled, and they're still up because the mints are not making the half ounce or the quarter ounce or 10th ounce coins right now. They're only delivering one ounce gold Eagles and Maple Leafs, and we've got the same problem with silver in the one ounce Eagles and Maple Leafs. To make an equivalent dollar amount of silver relative to an ounce of gold at 17 hundred dollars an ounce you've got to make about a hundred ounces of silver that's a hundred blanks that's a hundred strikes so the price of silver on the street is not 15 25 an ounce it's you know 23 to 24 dollars an ounce because we're paying six dollars an ounce over the spot price to buy those silver eagles or maple leaves right now so the the offer pr- that's the bid the offer price is eight and nine dollars an ounce over the spot price
0: I'm glad you brought up silver Because one of the things that's been a historical metric, let's say, is the difference in price between gold and silver. And we're close to historic highs for that spread. That would have some people argue that silver's got some catching up to do and may be, in fact, a better investment than gold at this point.
1: Oh, I agree completely. I've looked at the charts back to 2009, 10, 11, when gold went from $900 an ounce to $1,900 an ounce over those two years on the back of QE1, 2, and 3. And silver lagged for most of 2010 and didn't get over about $18 or $19 an ounce where gold was marching higher into the $1,500, $1,600 an ounce range. And then it played catch up with a vengeance and moved from about a little under $20 to all the way over $45 an ounce. And silver is doing the same thing now. If you measure the value of silver to gold simply by dividing the gold price by the silver price, you get the gold to silver ratio. In normal times, the ratio is between about 60 to 1 and 80 to 1, where 80 to 1 silver's cheap relative to gold and 60 to 1 or lower it's more valuable relative to gold that ratio has been leaking higher into the you know high 80s and low 90s in the last 3 to 4 months and it's spiked up all the way to 125 to 1 in the last couple of weeks it's down about 113 to 1 right now and silver's completely underperforming relative to gold and it's because of the ease of wealth transfer that gold offers physically that silver does not because it takes so much more silver to make the same value in dollars that gold does. So just if you have you know, $100,000 worth of gold, you can hold it in your hands. If you have $100,000 worth of silver, you need a wheelbarrow.
0: Right, right.
1: So, you know, so silver is really lagging right now. And I think there's a huge opportunity there to make exaggerated gains in the precious metals uh, sector with physical silver. But the premiums are, uh, are obfuscating that right now to a degree because they're so high.
0: I love it. So if you were Joe Sixpack on Main Street looking to make an investment in gold or silver, what would you advise them to do today?
1: Well, I would still, I I think the environment is here for gold to go over the previous $1,911 high into the low 2000s. I think gold's headed to $2,200 to $2,500 an ounce over the next year to 18 months. Bank of America recently Came out and upgraded their forecast from $2,000 to $3,000 an ounce in the next two years simply because of the zero interest rates. Uh, And gold thrives in a low interest or negative interest rate environment because uh, it does not pay a dividend and it's much easier to compete. Despite the higher premiums, I still think gold and silver are going to go a lot higher from where they are now. And I would not wait because. The Fed is the biggest driver in the marketplace right now. They're actually going to meet today and tomorrow as we talk. And if they announce additional QE or even negative interest rates, which I don't think is likely at this point in time, gold will pop. And that's exactly what it did in 2009 and 10. Every time they announced a QE, gold went up. $40, $50, $60 Oh, forty, fifty, sixty dollars an ounce, right on the announcement. So I think the metals are going higher, and it's actually worth paying the higher premiums right now to get physical metal. But I would be looking for what I could get at the best value. If there's there's many of options, there's Maple Leafs, there's Philharmonics, there are kangaroos, there are one ounce bars. So you may not have your first choice right now, but your best choice is to get anything you can at the lowest premium possible right now. That's what I see in the marketplace because I think the metals are definitely going higher.
0: So, as you look at the marketplace, would you say it's behaving like a market should, or are there all kinds of inefficiencies in the market simply based on transportation issues, based on supply-demand imbalance? Are there is there opportunity for arbitrage here, for example?
1: Well, there's definitely inefficiencies right now for the exact reasons you just mentioned demand and supply lines, and even logistics. There's not a lot of arbitrage opportunities except playing the ratios between gold and silver. Even platinum looks like it's dirt cheap to me, but it's more of an industrial metal at around $800 an ounce and trading at a, oh my God, a $900 discount to gold. I've never seen such a discount for platinum, but it's more industrial related. I really like to play The gold-to-silver ratio right now, focusing on silver instead of gold, and I like to play the platinum-to-gold ratio too, but that's a bit more of a longer play.
0: The biggest commercial use for platinum, if I remember correctly, is in catalytic converters in automobiles, correct?
1: That's correct. So I think the platinum price is liable to stay weak for the foreseeable future because demand for autos is going to fall with this weakened economy, but still, it's cheap relative to gold, and at some point in time, gold is going to drag silver higher and platinum higher with it because the spread will just be too wide. And I think gold is clearly leading and will continue to lead. So if I were an investor today, I would probably put about 40% of my dry powder into gold and 60% of my dry powder into silver. I might spend about half of what I had or maybe a little bit more than what I had totally to invest now. And then I'd look to buy again in the next month or so hoping the premiums might be down. But as I said, the Fed's a wild card. And any new developments that they come out with as far as adding additional spending or the U.S. Congress spending more money will help to buoy the gold price higher. I mean, our deficit was $22 trillion in the U.S. a year ago. It was supposed to be $23 trillion or $24 trillion at the end of this year. And it's going to be $27 trillion now because we've got $3 trillion of additional spending on top of the natural... trillion deficit we're going to have. This is all good for gold.
0: Well, 27, and they're not done. I I don't think they're done with any form of fiscal stimulus. They're going to have to continue to do more as this economic crisis unfolds. Oh,
1: you're exactly correct. This isn't a one and done. This is a two or a three-step process, and they're going to do as much as they can to fill the gap that the economy is not filling right now with spending so that we have as as little of a disruption as possible, but it's, it's almost like they have the wrong wrench for the tool that's necessary right now. I'm not sure throwing a lot of money at this situation is actually going to alleviate the problem, but the debt will remain. You know, every time we do this, the debt never gets paid down. Right, right. So that leads to your that leads to your point about inflation coming. And I think you're right, completely right about that.
0: Right. Now, where we've been able to export the inflation, or we've been able, okay, so let's talk a little bit about inflation, because inflation, for many people, was simply looking at the measure of the consumer price index, when in fact, that's just the symptom of the inflation. The actual inflation that's happening is the inflation of the money supply which we've been able to hide historically by sending the money overseas. So Saudi Arabia, China, take all of those US dollars and go and buy treasury bills with them. So that money disappears and they're buying essentially the US government debt. It hasn't come back into the money supply back here in North America. That looks like it's about to change.
1: I think you're right. The foreign buying of US treasuries has dropped dramatically in the last uh, six months. And that's been one of the prime reasons we've been able to enjoy the deficits we've had over the last 10 years without commensurate inflation. And when that chicken comes home to roost, as my old friend Doug Casey likes to say, it's going to be pretty ugly. And I think you're right. We're at the start of that transition now. Your analysis is spot on.
0: I love it. Well, Dana, if folks want to get in touch if they want to learn more, or perhaps even buy some precious metals from you. What's the best way to get in touch?
1: Well, we're down in Austin, Texas. Uh, we're a national mail order dealer. Our uh, phone number is 800-613-9323. Or if you want to send an email, simply send it to info, I-N-F-O at dot dcom And that's our website, too, www.amergold.com.
0: Terrific. And, of course, that's limited to customers in the United States. You're not authorized to sell internationally, correct?
1: Uh, We primarily ship only in the United States. That's correct.
0: First of all, Dana, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today. I love your perspective on it. And definitely for the listeners at home, reach out to Dana. Get in touch with him at amergold.com, amergold.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. I'll talk to you again tomorrow.